Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. You know the deal if you're a part of Takeover Church. Let's give them a 10 second praise break all over this place. 2024, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Nine, ten. All right, all right. Sit your beautiful face down. I was looking at some of y'all, and I was like, I saw your Instagram story. You went wilder when the ball dropped at midnight that he did the Lord right now. So, no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I wasn't on Instagram. I was with close friends. But, anyways, good morning, happy New Year. How you doing? Oh man, is Jesus good or is Jesus great? Jesus is great. It's a trick question. He is good and he is great. Come on, somebody. That's my man right over there. Baby T, shout me down. Fantastic. Well, what, a, what an incredible morning it has been already. I mean, the Lord has been in this place. And I got to tell you, Adrian and I, a beautiful bride and I, we, we have given our lives to build. Literally, it's more than just a slogan. It's more than just a banner. It's more than just things that we put up. It's more than just great marketing. Sydney, amazing. Come and take over. I mean, this is, this is what we bleed. If you cut me open today, what you would find is that I want to build a place, not just where God's people can come and they can abuse the grace and anointing of others, but instead what they can do is come and they will find the God who dwells in his home still. I appreciate anybody this morning. I know that was a stiff drink right off the bat, but I think if we don't lay a firm foundation on the first Sunday of 2024, then friends, we will go about 2024 and we will live however we want, wherever we want, doing whatever we want with whoever we want. And I am telling you, God has a design and God's ways are God's best. Amen. God has a design. He is not dumb. Somebody say, God is not dumb. Nothing happens by accident with him. He has a design and purpose for everything, and that includes the church, both his meeting place and his temple, you and me. Amen? Oh, man. So we, we for 2024, we asked the Lord, and we have found our prophetic word for 2024. And just like last year in 2023, when we stewarded every single Sunday, 52 weeks out of the year, we stewarded one single passage of Scripture, and that was Luke 12, 49 through 50, that Jesus came to cast fire upon the earth, and he would if it were already ready to be kindled. And then this year, I'm telling you, the Lord has called you and I, this church, this house at this time, both as a church collectively and as temples individually, he has called you and I to be his house of prayer. Amen. We got Isaiah 50, uh, 56, 7. We got Matthew 21, 13. And really, Matthew 21, 13 is going to be the defining scripture for this entire year. But this morning, we are going to come out of both of those briefly just to explain some things. But here we go. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of my sermon is this. A house of prayer. Very original. A house of prayer. A house of prayer. But if I'm going to plagiarize anybody, it's going to be the Lord. Amen. A house of prayer. How's your fast going? Hearing the Lord more clearly? I've been hearing some good reports, man. There are families who are getting words. There are single people who are getting words. I mean, the Lord is talking right now. I love what Bob Sorge says. I'm so hungry for God, I'm fasting. It's amazing. 
Amazing, but our fast is going on right now. If you're new with us this morning, feel free to jump on in. If you decide to call Takeover Church home, we're doing 31 of prayer, 31 days of prayer and fasting to go up and grow up into the glory the Lord has for us. Amen. All right, who loves their B-I-B-L-E? Come on, welcome to the first non-live stream service since our first year of Takeover Church, by the way. Got to tell you real quick, my heart is this. I know that live streaming has its usefulness and we will put the sermon up obviously later today we will put the the worship up later today we will still do those things but what the lord does in this house i just feel grieved in my spirit that verse in hebrews where paul says listen let's let's not give up meeting together as so many have grown accustomed to some people have been doing sabbath sunday and church from home since 2020 okay that's not us. That's not who we're going to be. We are going to be the church, and the church what? It gathers. It doesn't just gather, but it assembles. It comes together as one body. Amen? We are not dismembered in different homes. We are one body in his house. Amen? We are not dismembered in different homes. We are one body in his house. Amen? And so that's my heart, and uh, I don't love spiritual voyeurism. I don't. The Lord's doing something intimate in this place, and I want us to be present with him. And so, friends, if you got vacation, you got things, you're doing that, amazing, awesome, God bless you. Please go to a church in Caicos, wherever you're vacationing. Tithe there, love there, be there that Sunday, do the thing there, and then come on back home to your family, amen? That's what we're about. That's what we're about. All right, Isaiah 50, 6, 7. Would you buy the one Bible that only has one string in it? I love my B-L-B-L-E. All right, Isaiah 57, 56. Here we go. Wait. Yes, no, we're right. Sorry, I was in 57. 56. Isaiah 56, 7. Don't worry, it'll be up on the Sky Bible when pastor's, uh, when pastor's too stoked. Here we go. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. There's that great grammar from the Old Testament. All right, Matthew 21. Matthew 21, we're going to hit 12, 13, and 14. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Here we go. And Jesus entered the temple and he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He loves doves. He hates pigeons. Amen. He said to them, that's stupid. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer prayer but you make it a den of robbers and the blind and the lame they came to him in the temple and he healed them all amen all right we're gonna pray we're gonna see what the lord will do this morning sound good let's go father we love you father this morning we ask god that you would consecrate this 2023 or 2024, Lord, that this morning, God, this would be the very first moment with you of our new year, God, where we know, we recognize fully, Lord, that you are the God, the author of seasons, Lord. You speak all throughout your scriptures, God, that there is a time for every season and that you are, Lord, above every season and you, Lord, you change the times. You don't change with the times. You change the times. And so, Lord, 
I thank you, God, that we don't serve the God who changes with the times. And no, we don't have to have a heart that says it's time for a change. Instead, Lord, we get to go up Jacob's ladder and we get to say to the Lord who changes the time, Father, it's time for you to change the times. It's time to see your church rolled back into what she has been called and destined and birthed into being in the first place. Lord, today I ask, I said it earlier, Father, but I ask, Father, would you hear me? If there's a dream in your son's heart for his bride, Lord, would you begin to birth that dream? Make it a reality here and now in this church at this time. If there's a dream for your son's bride of what she would be, the best for him, the most suitable partner in the earth. God, if it can be found in West Michigan, and if it can be found in Grand Rapids, and if it can be found at 3584 Roger B. Chaffee, then Father, I ask, make us into that dream in your son's heart for his bride. Let every other dream and every other pursuit die in the pursuit of this one reality. We want to be the bride that makes the heart of Jesus on the throne of David in heavenlies leap. That's what we want. Let it be said of us in 2024, God, that we have given everything for this one pursuit. So, Father, come. Unleash the Holy Spirit today. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you, we celebrate you, we love you, we champion you, and we let you off the religious leash. Please, Holy Spirit, we are in desperate need of a fresh touch from you. And Holy Spirit, as you begin to move all throughout this room, please, right now, let's start 2024 off right. Holy Spirit, come. You kick every spirit of suicide, you send it back to hell. You take every spirit of depression, of mental illness, of brokenness, of insecurity, of whatever it is, God. Whatever delusion or lie we have believed that is outside of your will and design for our lives. Holy Spirit, come and uproot every other spirit in this room and send it back to hell and let you rule and reign in this place and in every person and Jesus mighty faithful undefeated and worthy of every reward for his sacrifice we all said amen, amen. can you just praise God one more time <sighs> a house of prayer a house of prayer a house of prayer you see what I love so much about these two verses, just briefly before we dive in this morning, is this, is that they're actually separated by 700 years. <laughs> 700 years between when the prophet Isaiah was prophesying about Jesus, his coming, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and what he would establish as his church in the earth, and then Jesus' 33 years of life, of growing, of being about his father's business, and in ministry, and establishing for himself a burning body, a burning bride, a burning people, his church. 700 years. And the amazing thing is, somebody asked me this week, they're like, how are we going to steward this word? The other one, we understood. But how are we going to steward this word for, for 365 days? And I said, friend, let me tell you, I do not yet know. But I so much look forward to finding out why from the beginning of time to the end of time, all throughout scripture, and specifically in these 700 years, why God's heart was aching for a house of prayer, bless you. While he was aching for a house of prayer. 
if it was what his desire was for Israel when he was prophesying through Isaiah and it's his heart for God's people, the church, adopted into this lifeline, then I got to tell you, I don't believe our God changes. In fact, I think he said, I'm the, I'm the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. And so I believe his heart in this season, in this year, is the same as his heart has always been. He wants to build for himself a house of prayer. A house of prayer. Now, what's interesting to me, friends, if I can be so honest this morning, I just saw Michael's face like, here it comes. <laughs> If I can be so honest this morning, there's something that troubles me in the church today, and, and there's something that actually troubles me in our church as well. You see, for me, I'm all about the, the micro, but the micro is often determined by the macro, and we've got to be able to look at the church at large and see how it's affecting our church in this room, in this town for today. Amen? We've got to be able to look at the greater landscape and preach to that, and so that we are not influenced by their wells here. Amen? We want one well, we don't want their well. We want one well, and his name is Jesus. I see this interesting thing that's happening in different wells and in different homes and different houses is this. We see today in the church at large, friends, where people, they come to church and they have all these wild expectations, don't they? I've met so many people and they come in and they're like, man, today I'm expecting to hear great worship. Today, I'm expecting to hear a mediocre sermon that doesn't challenge me to repentance or grow up in power and salvation. I expect to see my friends and family there. I expect to go, sing some songs, have some bad coffee, and then kind of leave and go about my life. See, what's interesting in the church today is that we have expectations for anyone and everything except we don't have expectation in the church today to go to the church and actually meet the one that the church is built upon and the one that the church is built for and his name is God. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting today, if you were to ask any Christian outside of this room, hopefully, and you were like, hey, what did you expect to find out at church today? They would be like, oh, I expected new year, new me. I expected great, you know, five point sermons on how to grow a better business. I expected how to, yada, 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 X, Y, and Z. I expected three songs and a bridge and for it to be over in 15 minutes. Like, that's my expectation. Tell me when I'm telling lies. You know what most Christians wouldn't say their expectation was upon going to church that day? Meeting God. Meeting God. Friends, how is it that we have arrived at a point in time, friends, where we are more interested in meeting the man of God over the God who became man? I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Seriously, this is where we've arrived. We've arrived at a point in place where we are more excited about the preacher's new book instead of God's only book. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. See, this is where we've arrived. This is symptomatic in the world. And let it not be said of us that takeover would ever become this giant think tank in front of a live audience for my next book and our next album. Am I preaching to anybody? My man, Steve. I got one. But this is the reality. We've found ourselves, we've grown into ourselves, and we've found ourselves in a place and time where the church literally is about what the preacher's going to put out next, about what the, worship what the worship team is going to produce as another album next. And friends, I am grieved by this because if you and I are not careful, we will find ourselves in a place where we value the fruit over the seed. 
We will value the fruit over the seed. And what happens when you and I, we begin to value fruit over seed is that we will worship produce over the producer. We will worship produce over the producer. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? You see, God's best isn't found in the fruit. God's best is found in the seed, you see, because here's the deal. God's purity in his seed. Fruit ends up being however you and I cultivate, tend, and love, and nurture. We have a role in the fruit that will be produced in our lives. What we don't have a role in is in that seed, that deposit that he places on the inside of every single one of us. He puts that on the inside of us. And so often though, we value the fruit of what we can produce out of the seed over not just the seed itself, but that next level up, friends, is where we run into the the very alarming and concerning danger that we are seeing sweep across the church today where not only do we value the fruit over the seed, but we value the seed over the sower. It's a real danger in the church today. Well, Pastor Matt, how do you know? Go on Instagram. You see, what's amazing about Instagram is that it gives us this weird highlight reel, and we all kind of think the highlight reel is the, is the facts. It's not. Unfortunately, a lot is getting revealed through these terrible social media apps that I wish we didn't have. Well, what about marketing? Jesus changed the world from like a 12-mile radius and 12 guys, okay? I don't need social media, although our girl Jen is killing it, taking over takeovers social media. We love you, but we don't need it. But the brilliant thing about all this is this, friends, is that we're beginning to see, we're beginning to, be, we're beginning to see the fruit of people's lives come to fruition. And here's what our God does. Our God rarely, friends, is interested in growing something overnight just for it to die the next day in a very loud and public and hilarious fashion. And yet that's what we see today. We see pastors who are platforming worship leaders and other preachers and all of these things and they blow up overnight because they've got a good message and they've got good charisma. But they have no oil. They have no interior life that can uphold the exterior that they are presenting to the world. And what ends up happening? The truth always comes out. The truth will always win out. There must always be light that overtakes darkness. And at some point, you will be found out. And I say this to caution you and I. As we head into the days ahead and, and slogans like this, hearts like this, this becomes something that we merchandise. That in the church, when we start to hear language like a home for him, a house for him, presence, as we start to hear this get louder and louder, and all of a sudden these church networking planters begin to merchandise God's heart. I am telling you, friends, we have got to be so careful. I look forward to writing many books. I look forward to giving our worship team the amazing ability to write amazing albums. I look forward to these things. But may this never be about Pastor Matt and may this never be about takeover worship and may this never be about the fruit that comes from this house over stewarding the seeds that God has planted in this house over God, the sower of the seeds, the birther of fruit himself. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? 
This is where we are going. Friends, at some point in time, the church has gotten confused, and this is the symptom of what we've been confused by and under the delusion of, is that we sit here and we think the church is ours and that we are ours. Pastors and leaders, we live lives and we think this, this is ours. You're not mine. You're his. In fact, I am not my own. I am his. You are not your own. You are his. But if you look in the world today, you will see what is symptomatic in the world is actually started in the church. And I will tell you this, when the church began to think that she belonged to herself and that the people therein her belonged to themselves, all of a sudden we think that we can reimagine this and redo this in our image and likeness. And then we think we can redo and reimagine our lives in our own image and likeness. And then how do we look at the world and go, well, no wonder they think they can redo and reimagine all of that in their own image and likeness. Because if the church isn't listening to the spirit of God, the world will not be listening to the church. We want the church to have a voice in the world, but where is God having a voice in his church? Where is God having a voice in his church? See, this is symptomatic, and it's, it kind of marvels me, I'm going to be honest, that, that I almost feel like I'm going mad sometimes by myself. And I'm like, Lord, how is, how is nobody else seeing this? And I'm not hubris today. I don't think that I'm the only one seeing this. I'm just saying in, in a hyperbolic term, like how is nobody else getting in on this track? How, is, how are we not seeing that we are preaching against the demonic powers in this world and yet realizing the most demonic act in the world today is that the church is no longer in love with Jesus? Forgive us, Father. Am I, like, tell me what I'm telling lies. I mean, if we can look right now and it's like, man, we have made church to feature everyone and everything else but him. So much so that when someone is coming to church for the first time, someone is coming to look to get healed, they're coming to look to get delivered, they're coming to look to get confirmation for their life, they're coming for all of these different things. They're coming to experience God and woe to me that they experience me and not him. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I'm starting with me. Woe to me if you came here and the only thing you experienced today was me. That's not the church I'm interested in 2024. That's not the church I'm interested in the rest of my life. I want a church that is about him and for him and with him and firmly planted in him. Amen. This is who we have got to be because friends, it is no wonder that when the world gets shaken, when mass hysteria is breaking out, when literally you can't believe your own eyes, friends, because of AI and all the stuff and we see political kingdoms crumble, it's no wonder that the church is on shaky ground herself. It's because we haven't been establishing ourselves on a firm foundation. Instead, we've served all these other masters instead of our master. We've put programs before his presence. We've put people before his presence. We've got pastors who are cowards in the pulpit because they are more scared of their sheep than they are the high priest. 
This is where we've arrived. And friends, I, I, I've got to say enough is enough and it's time to worship the Lord who changes the times. It's time to worship the Lord that changes the times because friends, this, if this doesn't concern you, I'm concerned for you because friends, what happens in the church doesn't just affect this house, it affects your house. What's allowed in the house will affect your house. And then not only will it affect your house, it'll affect the houses that come from your house, a.k.a. your kids, your friends, your family, your legacy that you leave behind when you stand before Jesus or you meet him in the sky when he returns. Either way, you slice it, friends, beloved. What happens in the house will affect your house and will have ripples throughout every house that proceeds from your house. And so if we don't get it right in here, how do I expect you to get it right out there? If we don't model it right here, how do I expect you to model it for your children later? How do we do this if we're not doing it here in this house? You see, Jesus, man, I'm so grateful for a Lord who is clearly long-suffering. And I'm so grateful that our God in Revelation, he makes it very clear, I will judge my house before I judge the White House. Before I judge every other house, and trust me, judgment is coming for that, I get it. But what should make us approach him in fear and trembling is making sure that we have our houses in order. And let me tell you, friends, God has an order. We talked about it a lot last year. Glory follows order. Let me tell you, as long as we continue to believe the lie and live under the delusion that this thing is about us and that this thing is for us and that it's not about him and it's not for him, but it's about us and that we are about us and we're not for him. As long as we continue to live this manner, friends, we will go the way of all the kind of churches that I just labeled, all of the things that is talked about in the world. I am telling you where this road leads, it goes one way. Because the reality is, in a lot of churches today, we are finding more drag queens in church than we are God. Pastor Matt, you sure you want to do this in 2024? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Because there is a level of reverence that is needed, greatly needed in the church today for whom our God is. You see, whether it's Isaiah preaching to Israel about the coming king or it's Jesus in the book of Matthew where he goes into his temple and he sees, he sees literally Isaiah's prophecy is telling people the future that Jesus ends up going into the temple and throwing over tables. And hear me today, those people had a warning 700 years before that. Before Jesus arrived in the temple and was about his father's business and decided to upheaval everything in that moment, overthrow everything in that moment, and reinstitute his goal and desire in mind for his bride, they had 700 years to get it right. Isn't that mind blowing? When you look at scripture as we know it, as God has planned it, as he has said, oh my gosh. How many years has he been patient with you? How many years has he been patient with me? He's been patient for so long. And I don't know about you, but I, I kind of want to make good to one who's been so, so good to me. 
I want to give him the gift of what his house is called to be in his heart. He said, my house shall be a house of prayer. But friends, you and I, we won't, we won't rise to the level of the occasion in this moment if we fail to see that this is his house and not our house. See, in the first part of that, he says, my house, pause, my house, my house. He lays out for us, my house will be a house of prayer. So what? He tells us what his house will be. And by proxy, he tells us what his house is not. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. He tells us what his house must be, will be, for it to be blessed. He follows it up with my house will be this, 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 and this. And then guess what? All the peoples are going to come. All the people are going to get healed. All the deliverance is going to happen. Everything we long to see birthed in the church again in 2024 is a whole heavenly a lot easier when Jesus himself is in the room. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. All the things that we want to see, all the miracles we want to see break out. Young Micah and I, one of my amazing interns, he and I were just talking about it this week. If we get God in his house, friends, everything we long to see from healing to deliverances to revival to marriage restoration for people running from homosexuality and coming alive in Christ Jesus, everything we want to see in the house is a whole heavenly a lot easier when Jesus himself is here. You see, I don't want to be a pastor who lives in consistent disappointment because my sheep keep rolling in their own muck and their own mire. Instead, what I want to do is I want to get the greatest pastor who ever lived his presence to come into this building and he makes my yoke easy and my burden light as he makes your yoke easy and your burden light. And then all of a sudden, we all begin to become that spotless, blameless, blemishless lamb, bride of God that he longs to give to his son, Jesus. Amen. This is his goal. But so often we, we refuse to see it. Can I just say it plainly for you today? His house, his rules. His house, his rules. His house, his will. His house, his will. His house, his ways. His house, his ways. Friends, I am telling you this morning, he has got relationship goals for his bride. And I'm grateful for it because I would hate to find myself in a relationship with my creator and not know how to love him not know how to approach him, not, how, not know how to live a life that is honoring of the sacrifice that he made with Jesus on the cross. I would, I would hate to find myself in a place of thinking I could be covered by the most richest, priceless. There's no price on the blood, friends. It is priceless. It is the most high value thing to ever touch the ground on this earth, the blood of Jesus. I'd hate to find myself the recipient of being covered and raised to life anew and not know how to honor such a sacrifice. His house, his rules. His house, his ways. His house, friends, we all want to live the resurrected life. Well, friends, he has a life to live in resurrection. Jesus, show up in your power in resurrected life. I will, but I only bless what I have ownership of. Friends, I got to tell you, so many times people are praying for, God, would you just be protecting me in this season? Friends, can I just challenge you a little bit? God only protects what God blesses because God can only bless what is his. 
God's blessing always gives way to God's protecting. God's blessing always gives way to God's protecting. So often you and I, we live in our lives we live in such manners, in such ways that we are praying these prayers. We're lopping them up to the sky. God, would you move? God, would you do this? And he's like, I want to own the entirety of your life. Yeah, but God, I just really want to see, like, I want a relationship in 2024 that is honoring of you. Okay, are you sowing seeds? Are you living a life that I can bless in 2024? Or are you still watching pornography every night? Maybe this is too much for 2024. Maybe, maybe, we're not, maybe we're not ready to be the house that he longs for. I think we are. I think you're quiet right now because I think we are observing Jesus for who he really is. We are approaching this with fear and reverence right now and we are realizing it's high time for the church to be the church yet again. God blesses what he has full ownership of we will say lord we want you to come in fullness and he goes i want to give you fullness in fact i poured out my son so you can have fullness in me but you will never see the fullness of god in your life if god doesn't see the fullness of you lived out in him i'm not preaching to anybody this morning he has ways, he has a will, he has a design, he has a purpose, he has a plan. And so when he says, my house will be, he says, my house and my house, my house and my house, the house of God we meet corporately and the house of God we are privately. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning because it's easy to live a life where we have got, come on, the external architecture without any internal infrastructure friends if you and I if we continue to live a life where we don't recognize his authority and dominion over our lives friends we will live spiritual lives that are anemic we will live spiritual lives that are anemic if he doesn't have full authority if he doesn't have full glory, if he doesn't have full ownership, if he doesn't have in full what he paid for with the precious blood of Jesus, friends, I am telling you, we will live lives externally that cannot be held up internally. Your time with God on the inside has got to be greater than your feats for God on the outside. We have got to live lives that build an infrastructure on the inside that can hold up the external architecture that we are trying to build. So many of us, we're like, God, bring revival. He hasn't even brought revival on the inside of us yet. We cannot pray for things externally that we are not, listen to me, friends, stewarding internally. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? There's gotta be this internal house of prayer that gives birth to the house of prayer. We have got to begin to see him rightly. If we do not get a revelation for this, we will fail at this. Because I'm telling you, so many people, we think of prayer as the act and we don't understand that prayer is the relationship. Prayer is not an act of Christianity. It is the relationship of Christianity. Prayer is not the act of Christianity. Prayer is the posture of Christianity. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. It is how you and I, we are called to live. You see, Jesus, he preaches this message. And what's amazing is this happens. We go to the book of Acts and we see Acts chapter two. And do you know what happens when God sends his Holy Spirit? 
the first thing they do in the very first church service ever is what? Pray. What's amazing to me is that the first act in the church to ever happen is prayer. And often in the church today, whether it's corporately or individually, the last act to happen in the church today is prayer. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? The very first thing they did as a church, when the Holy Spirit birthed it in the upper room, in that corporate gathering, the very first thing they did was begin to pray. But so often, you and I, we live lives where the very last thing that we do for ourselves is pray. They weren't waiting for Peter to pray. They didn't need their pastor to begin to engage God for them. The Holy Spirit came, filled them up, saved them from hell, sin, death, and the grave, and raised them to resurrection life in that very moment in church. And the first thing they did was not worship. It was not preach. It was not youth programs. It was not the next great thing. It was pray. Because prayer is the greatest part of our Christian life, not just another add-on to our Christian life. I got so many people who are telling me, Pastor Matt, we're going to do 31 days of prayer and fasting. And I said, you bet your bottom dollar we are. And they were like, it's, that's just more to my life. And I'm going, no, that's the whole of your life. This can't be just more to your life. This has to be the whole of your life. Why? Because it's high time the Christians begin to live Christianity again for the one who made it possible for you to be Christian in the first place. God has a design to his relationship for you. And when we don't live by that design, friends, it's no wonder we live spiritually anemic lives. Why is it that we seem so on life support all the time internally? Externally, we got it. We got the takeover cards. We got our Bibles. We got our takeover shirts. We're doing all the stuff. And we, we, we flaunt our church loud and proud everywhere we go. We have an externally pleasing life to our pastor while having internally displeasing life to our Savior. Pastor Matt, can Jesus be displeased with us? Yes. So often we think when Jesus is, is correcting us, we see his correction as rejection. It's not. He corrects those we lo he loves. His correction is never rejection. In fact, his correction is to usher you out of the places that you have been into the places he longs for you to go to take you from the places he paid for with his blood and so that he can give you the reward for his blood. This is the whole point. If Jesus corrects you, it's never to reject you. It is to take you into the reward for the blood that he poured out. It's amazing that we get to live in the reward that he wants to give us for himself. It's amazing. But we don't live in considerate lives. We live quite inconsistent and inconsiderate lives. Myself included. I'm not preaching anything I don't need to hear. I am telling you, friends, I am telling you, as long as we live lives that are spiritually anemic because we don't have the internal infrastructure to hold up the facade of the external architecture that we project to the world, the next time the world gets shaken, the next time Washington fails, the next time there's an election cycle, and guess what, friends, it's coming. The next time something terrible and heinous happens in our city, the next time these things go down, and it will because we are closer to the end than we've ever been. Newsflash. It will get bad. It will get rough. We know that. We've read the end of the book. That's our future. But do you know what we can do in our present? We can develop an internal infrastructure so that when it comes to the shaking, our exterior 
Our external architecture will not be shaken, but you and I, not just as the church, the building, but the church, his church, his temple, will still be standing. And not just standing, but you will be lit ablaze and you will be the hope of the world, says Paul. It is the church that is the hope of the world. See, friends, Jesus makes it clear. He says, my house. We've, we've got to move beyond this being our house. We've got to be moving on. This is my life. No. If he bought you, he bought you. It's time to pay up. If he ransomed you, he ransomed you. It's time to pay up. You see, friends, he wants full ownership so that he can give full blessing. But he'll never have full ownership if he doesn't have a resolute obeying someone whose resolve is i am going to obey you can i just tell you this morning satan our enemy he has a thousand tactics for his one goal in life do you want to know what his one goal is to sever your connection to the father Satan's one goal in his life before he is smited, smoked, and blown away, as Paul depicts it in the Thessalonians. Blown away, Jesus is going to sneeze on him, and the news is going to crumble. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see that glorious day. But his one goal until that moment is this, to sever your connection to the Father. And Peter says, he lurks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, which means he has studied tape on you. He knows you, and he is watching every single one of you, me included. He has tape on every single one of us. And friends, if you don't know the difference between God the Father and the Father of lies voice, man, you'll fall prey to his very, very, very skilled, long-sought, well-studied ploys to take you out. He's got demons, he's got principalities, he's got all these things that if you don't think he's not alive in the earth today, friends, look around. Look in the church, he is moving and he is prowling. And you wanna know why that is? How has Satan been able to get into the church? Well, Jesus made it clear, he says, my sheep know my voice. Some of us, because we haven't been living God's ways, we haven't been having God's blessing, and by not having God's blessing, we haven't had God's protection. And so what does that mean? Listen, if God has full ownership of someone, do you think Satan can steal from him? If God has full ownership of something, do you think Satan can kill anything he owns? Absolutely not. But we live in a time and a place where we have taken God out of church and we've made it about a man and we've made it about a woman and we've made it about culture and we've made it about all of these things. And friends, let me tell you the truth of the gospel today. If you are not talking to your father, then Satan, culture, and the world will be more than happy to have conversations about your life with you. And that's just the reality. You see, we find ourselves in a place today, friends, where man, the spirit of God, he is rising up in this house specifically. Let's talk about us. In this house specifically, the Holy Spirit, fire of God, is rising up in this place. And what he does in a given service every time that we gather, whether it's our abide groups, our SOT groups, whether it's our uh, prayer nights every Wednesday right now throughout January at 7 p.m., we got glory worship nights right here. Be here, please. It was, an amazing, it was an amazing night, and so many people were here. And I got to tell you, I'm going to be honest, I'm your pastor, I have to be. So many of y'all weren't here. 
Just throwing it out there. And the Lord moved in glorious ways. And every single week, we've seen it like birthing pains. He comes and he comes and he comes and he comes. And every single week, it ramps up and it goes crazier and his presence comes. And on that fourth Wednesday, finally, man, I am telling you what's gonna happen in this room is gonna be things that we have been praying for for years. 7 p.m. every Wednesday. Anyways, what happens though when the spirit of God wants to rise up in a room and he's not met with people who know his voice? He's handcuffed because our God decided, you know what? I want to co-labor with my people. So he wants to see these things unleashed. He wants to see these things break loose. He wants to see us living these lives in this room, doing the things that he has called us to do, that he wrote in his scripture, this is possible. He wants to see that unleashed in our lives, in this room and outside of this room. He longs to see it. But friends, the Holy Spirit hear me today. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our advocate. He's a co-laborer with us because God wants to do that. It's his rules. I'd much rather him do all the work. (laughs) Believe you me. (laughs) But he thinks enough about you and enough about me that he's placed something on the inside of us according to his image and likeness that he longs to co-labor alongside us. So what happens when the Holy Spirit wants to move in a room but maybe we're in a room where people don't know their own father's voice. Friends, can I just put this plainly to us today? The Holy Spirit longs to do things in this room through sons and daughters. But some of us, we don't live lives like sons and daughters. Instead, we actually live lives that look more like orphans. It's true. We live and we live lives where we say, I am a son and I am a daughter of God. We say that with our mouths, but we live lives that speak much louder, that shows that we actually live by an orphan spirit. You want to know how I know? Guess who doesn't talk to their father? Orphans. Jesus, when he went to the cross, God's plan was to secure for himself the perfect family through the blood of Jesus. He was like, I've got this idea in mind. I said it from the beginning. Adam and Eve, they didn't listen. They disobeyed. They brought sin and death to the world. But at that moment, before they did that, I had the dream in my heart. And what is that? The perfect family. And then all of a sudden, we live lives where the perfect family, this is how it would have been. The perfect family would be sons and daughters that have a deep and robust personal relationship with their father. A deep and robust, absolute relationship with their father. See, in the natural, it's the father who leaves the children to make them orphans. In the kingdom, it's the children that leave the father to make them orphans. I'm not preaching to anybody. Listen to me. In the kingdom, it's you and I. We're the ones that sever the ties. We're the ones that hang up the phone. We're the ones that we quit talking to him at some point or some of us, we began our relationship never talking to him. And that's why we live lives today where we want affirmation without conversation. It's true. We have so many, I love you to death and I'm telling you this today so we can body this at the end of service and worship. But some of us, we live with an orphan spirit over living by the direction of the Holy Spirit and it shows because we live prayerless lives. 
Guess who doesn't talk to their father? Orphans. And I know that's a stiff word, and I know that's big, but we've got to decide in 2024 today who we are going to be for the rest of the year and what kind of relationship we want to have with God, our Father. He longs to have sons and daughters that he has a deep and robust and resolute relationship with. He longs for that where we live with a great resolve that we are going to be his sons and his daughters. And what do sons and daughters do in a perfect family? They speak to their father. But so many of us in this church in particular, friends, I love you, but we live lives where we want affirmation from the father without conversation with the father. And so what do we do? We come to a pastor for affirmation. We go to a brother and sister for affirmation. Heck, some of us, we don't get the affirmation we want in the church, so we look for affirmation outside the church, and all that to avoid a conversation with our Father. And it's because of this. We go to our Father, and we are either going to get affirmed, or we are going to get corrected. And I said it earlier, we feel like his correction, his, his rejection. I am telling you, friends, there are things in you that I cannot affirm for you and I also can't reject out of you because God is perfect and he knows you emphatically and internally, externally, in every way there is. I am broken cistern, you are a broken cistern and we are right now in a fast where we are growing up and hearing him as clearly as we can but no matter how much I fast and no matter how much I kill my physical body, I will never be able to see the things inside of you the way God has wired you and designed you and made you to be for his glory and in relationship with him the way he can. But this is how we treat him. This is how we live our lives. We wear the exterior architecture of a son and daughter without having that interior internal infrastructure we're orphans we live as orphans and because we're orphans we want affirmation in all the wrong places instead of conversations with the one conversations with our father and then what ends up happening after that when we don't get affirmation and, and when we don't have this relationship with him, well, then we're in seasons where we're in church and we're growing up in our salvation or so we think we are. And next thing you know, we're like, man, I feel like this is going to be my next season. God has this next for me. And all of a sudden what we do, it's no longer about affirmation. Now we want confirmation. But we want confirmation without conversation. Because I can't tell you, I know a lot of you, you came from churches where maybe a pastor didn't see something in you that you know God deposited in you. And he took Paul at his words to Timothy really strongly when he said, guard the deposit I have given you and fan it into flame. And you came to this place going, no, God made me for this, right? Someone else abused it. Someone else rejected it. Someone else didn't want to see it. But here's the problem. We were looking for confirmation without having a conversation with the king of the universe first. Can I tell you, it's going to be a whole lot easier for me to see the things on the inside of you when you're meeting with God and he's affirming and confirming the things he has placed on the inside of you and what he's placed you here to do. Why? Because when you get confirmation, guess who he's talking to next? That's glorious order. That's how heavenly hierarchy works. That's what we see all throughout scripture, but this is how we live our lives. And so we actually live disgruntled and we're like, nobody sees what's on the inside of me. Well, you're not actually talking to confirm what you think is on the inside of you with the one who would have placed it there if it's actually there.
This is the reality. So many Christians, we live as orphans and we want confirmation without conversation. Now I'm telling you, your father doesn't just want to hear from your pastor about you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. Because here's the next terrible thing that's going to take place, friends. Suddenly, what happens when an orphan finds himself in an altercation? An orphan has no power in an altercation without conversation. Can I just be honest with you? Some of us, we have such an orphan spirit that we live with less than the prodigal even left his house with. And we remain in the house. Because it's interesting, the prodigal story, he goes, the father goes to the other son who stayed and goes, all you had to do was ask. It's because that son who stayed saw himself as an orphan and he never talked to his dad. He just went through the motions of what he thought a son looked like or what a daughter looked like. Some of us, we live lives, we lived all of 2023. We're going fire upon the earth and the Holy Spirit's like, I wanna bring fire upon the earth. I wanna unleash on you. I wanna do these amazing things in you. But the spirit of faith cannot move and push over an orphan spirit because the orphan spirit is deaf to my voice. Why? Because the orphan spirit has never had a conversation or hasn't had a conversation with the father in a long, long time. And so all of a sudden, you need healing for your body. You need movement in your finances. You need your marriage restored. All of a sudden, you need deliverance because you've been living in ways that have opened some doors and some very dark things. All of a sudden, you find yourself going, I've got this call on my life, but nobody wants to hear about it. I know one man who wants to hear about it. He's got holes in his hand and his feet. And he paid for that calling. He paid for that confirmation. But you haven't picked up the phone. All of a sudden we find ourselves and we need power for altercations, but an orphan spirit only ever produces powerlessness. Why? Because powerlessness is synonymous with prayerlessness. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Worship team, you can make your way up here. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Here's the reality, friends. The orphan spirit in the kingdom of God Man, he has made a way for you and I to have the perfect family with him, to have the perfect dynamic with him, to have a deep and robust, prayerful relationship with him. And yet, for whatever reason, we live lives where we didn't need our father like he does in the natural so often to leave us. We actually were adopted into a kingdom and we decided to leave him. We were adopted in his family and man, we might sit at his table on Sunday. But how many of you know it's much deeper to have a relationship with your father when it's not just at the table on Sunday, but it's at the table in your prayer closet every day. Friends, we need to get a revelation in 2024 of what prayer is prayer isn't another thing it's the thing prayer is relationship prayer is how we exist prayer is how we know the truth and the truth sets us free prayer is how we receive another extra measure of his blood upon our lives it's how we sit there and we go thank god that he put air in my lungs today and we talk to him we talk to him about what's in his heart for his kingdom what's in his heart for yours what's in his heart for what you're going to do in the earth friends the best part about taking a year long to steward one single word is that I hope it kills the sin that is purveying in this church and its prayerlessness. Sin is prayerlessness. 
or prayerlessness is sin rather. Prayerlessness is sin. Pastor Matt, how is prayerlessness a sin? It's not murder, it's not adultery, it's not adultery talking to everybody else but God. Prayerlessness is sin. You want to know why? It's sin by omission. Because God has a design and God has a design for everything and everyone including you. And when God has a design, we don't have the free, free will to omit that once we have been adopted back into his kingdom. We don't have the right to no longer talk to him. We don't have the right to say, thank you for saving me, I got it from here. Are you kidding me? I might be 17 years, almost 18 years into ministry and salvation. In just a couple days, I'm turning 33. It's gonna be awesome, excited. Thank God for 33 years. But I've had almost 18 years of walking in relationship with him. Not perfectly. I've had my orphan seasons. I've had my orphan moments. I've had these things. But what I recognize, friends, is that I don't have the right, no matter the season or the life or the circumstance, to omit his will from my life. Because I don't have it from here. In fact, I might be further along, and yes, I'm not... I believe we need to have pastors and leaders who live in such a manner where it's not like, hey, I'm just in it with you guys. I'm sinful and I'm broken too. No, no, we need a guy and a girl that we can follow. <laughs> like, no, no, please don't tell me you're broken and sinful too. I need to know that you got this because you're taking us somewhere. I'm committed to being the guy who not just got it, but I got him and I'm at his feet. That's what I'm committed to. But that's what it's going to take in 2024 to be his church is not the sin of omission, but the sonship, the daughtership of adoption, of being blood-bought. If you're tired of walking around feeling fake and phony and imposter sy syndrome in the house of God, would you stand up? Just be bold. Just be bold. Just be bold. There's people up all over this place. Amazing. Okay, if that's not you, don't just jump up to be the guy who's, you know, there to help out your friends. But if you're a son and you're a daughter and you are firm in your identity and you know you love him, you love him and you know him, and you go for him for affirmation and confirmation, I need you to stand up next. Okay, amazing. And then if you're anywhere on that spectrum, I need you to stand up next. That should be all of us. Miss Jen, if you wouldn't mind killing the lights. In just a moment, we're gonna open up the altar. I'm not gonna invite my prayer team down. I'm not gonna invite the core team down. What we're gonna do in this moment is we're gonna wage war in this next worship song before we end today. We're gonna wage war on the sin of prayerlessness. We're gonna wage war on what God says, I gave my son my perfect offering to secure. I secured a perfect family with my blood that pierced from his ribs and touched the ground. I secured for myself the perfect family. Well, I don't feel like the perfect son. Friends, can I tell you, he's far more okay with you being an unperfect son than you being an orphan. If you need to come back to sonship, if you need to come back to daughterhood, if you need to come back and you need to break off the orphan spirit, this is what we're going to do. 
We're gonna open up the altar and yes, we're gonna worship. And if you're worshiping and you don't need the prayer and you don't need to come down here, then I want you to worship Jesus with everything you have. And you give him one last drop of your tears, of your voice, of your saliva, of your shout, of the breath he put in your lungs, you give that to him. But if you're an orphan, if you've been living underneath an orphan spirit where you know I haven't talked to God in a long time, and some of us, you've never talked to God. If that's you, we're going to begin to live out in this moment what Jesus said when he said, my house will be a house of prayer. See, what's interesting about the orphan spirit is the orphan spirit doesn't mean that you're not saved. Doesn't mean that you don't bear his last name doesn't mean that he's not on the paperwork for your life saying I'm their father it means you've lived in a manner of which you've rejected a deep robust relationship with him and because of that you've lived in compromise you've lived in backsliddenness you've lived in lukewarmness and we talked about it last week but man there's gonna be a framework for 2024 where we begin to live lives where the lamb that was slain receives the reward for his suffering So right now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the Lord to continue to move. And as I do, you feel free to come on down. Dead today or when we're waiting for Pastor Matt to finish praying before we come find ourselves at the foot of Jesus. No, listen to me, friends. I'm human too. And so I know when the Holy Spirit rises up and you go, this is my chance, it's now or never but then you want to wait till the guy's done? You'll end up staying in your chair more times than not instead of taking that action in the natural to break loose something in the spiritual. So right now I'm going to pray and I'm going to open up the altars and you are free from this moment forward to come down here, <coughs> sorry, and to confess to your father and say, Father, I have lived an orphan spirit. I've lived as an orphan in your house, Lord. And from this day forward, I'm never going to allow the prodigal son to receive more of my inheritance when I'm the one who's staying in your house. Inheritance in the kingdom is always attached to intimacy with the king. Inheritance in the kingdom is always attached to intimacy with the king inheritance in the kingdom yep follow their example inheritance in the kingdom is always attached to intimacy with the king so feel free to make your way down i'm going to pray and we are going to seek this lord who has given everything for us and we're going to make sure the lord knows that for us in this house for us in our house for us in our lives as a house as a temple we will be sons, we will be daughters, we will be his house of prayer, and we will be the type of people that he can breathe upon in this day and age. So Father, Father, I love you. Thank you, God, that in my orphan seasons you didn't leave me, that you ever left me, that you weren't abandoning me just because I in my heart, I in my life, I in my sexuality, I in so many different times in my life, I in my conversations, in my time, in my alone moments, I have abandoned you. 
Lord, you've done so much in my life beyond just simply saving me once. You've saved me daily. You've shaped me again into your image and likeness. God, you have taken my meager efforts and you've exchanged me a crown of sonship. And God, there are moments in my life where I laid down a crown of sonship and I took on a mantle of orphanhood. And Father, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you've been talking to me more than I've been talking to you. I'm sorry, God, that you've been talking to me and I've not been listening to you. I'm sorry, God, that I keep continually putting myself in seasons of lukewarmness and danger of corruption because I simply have avoided conversation with you. Father, I want affirmation, but affirmation and conversation with you. If you've got a spouse in here and you know they need to be down at the altar right now, would you just grab them lovingly by the hand and bring them down to the altar? Come on. This is the moment. Somebody in your marriage has got to lead. If you've got a friend in this moment that you're with and you know they need to be down at the altar, be a friend in the moment that is built for times like this. They can take them to the feet of Jesus and say, this is the best place for you. I know you. I love you. I see what you do with your time. And you haven't been here in a minute. Father, right now we just repent. We repent of our expectations of the church, God. Of not being, we're going to encounter you. Instead, we're going to encounter everything and everyone else but you. Lord, would you get me in order as you get your house in order? God, would you make me a tent of meeting as you make this a house of prayer? God, right now I ask, in the power and the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross, would you give us a fresh revelation of prayer? God, we got to revel up to level up. And right now, Lord, I am asking you, Jesus. I'm asking you, Jesus, to give me a fresh vision for a relationship with God in 2024. God, where there's rich and robust conversation, where I hear the dreams of my father's heart for my life. Every father has a dream for his child. Every father has a dream for his child. And if you're an orphan in here this morning, I tell you prophetically, there is a dream in his mind for your life that is deep within his heart for your life right now that goes beyond you and through you and into the world, rescuing those still entrapped in darkness, raising up kids who will live in the light, living a life that looks more like Zion and less like Grand Rapids. He's got a dream in his heart, in his mind, for every single one of you. So Father, I ask right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, would you come and would you reveal the dream in your heart in this moment to every single son, to every single daughter. We break off imposter syndrome. We break up with the lie of phony. We break up with fake. We break up with the father of lies, the accuser. And we return to the Father God, the Father of heaven, the Father of the earth, the Father of the sons and daughters of the Most High God. The one whose love is enough to cover every wound, to wipe away every stain, to bring to life every sin, to take what's been broken in us and bring about resurrection life. We return to the kingdom of life and life to the full. We long for the fullness of God. So Father, 
Abba, Dad, whatever you got to call him this morning, we cry out to you, Father, and we say, can we start 2024 with the greatest stock exchange that's ever taken place in the history of the world, the fullness of God for the fullness of us. We love you, Father. Holy Spirit, come. As the worship team begins to minister to the heart of God, there's still room for you at the altar. There's still room for you and your husband. There's still room for you and your wife. If you're serving right now, as you know you need to be down here, quit serving and come sit. Quit serving and come sit. We don't need lyrics. We don't need the sound. We don't need a host crew. We don't need these things. We need Him. So if you struggle with an orphan spirit, quit serving. Come sit. And let's come and behold Him in this moment. In Jesus' mighty and precious name, have your way, Holy Spirit. Amen. Worship team.